Our claps are not very well. Our claps are feeling a bit unwell. Our claps are feeling... Listen, some of us are feeling a bit cold. We've come out of the cold. We haven't warmed up yet. Your clap will give you a, a bit of a warm this morning. Your shout will give you a bit of warm this morning. Your shout will give you a bit of warm this morning. Oh, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Oh, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Makora mashataba. Oh, I think we can do better than that. I think we can do better than that. Hallelujah. 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 I know some of us are not ready for Christmas. Some of us really don't care. But I believe that if you have been saved by grace, washed by the blood of Jesus, then you have a reason to celebrate the season. So even if you are not feeling it, I'm about to make you feel it. I'm saying hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is born. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm a lover of Christmas. I make no apologies for it. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Yeah. And my first reason is because I'm saved by grace. And my second reason is that grace has kept me. And grace continues to keep me. And so I do a disservice and a lack of appreciation if I cannot celebrate Christmas. Amen. I keep telling you, it's not about spending money and all those crazy things. It's about remembering what Christ has done and making yourself happy yourself. Happy yourself. Happy yourself. Happy yourself. Please happy yourself. Happy yourself. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure there's an interpretation of it. Yeah. Uh, last year, I believe that towards the end of the year, I was talking about cheerfulness, isn't it? Be of good cheer. And I told you that good cheer or being cheerful was a command that Jesus made. He didn't say if you, if you can be cheerful. You understand? He commanded them, be of good cheer. Yeah, I know that, you know, we've had some battles in the year. We fought, we won some, we lost some. But Jesus was commanding us that we should be of good cheer. And around this season is the best time to practice it. Amen. To use it for 2018. Amen. It's another year that we are going to start saying, Prince, how many more? Um, 40 more days. <laughs> you know, Kian always teaches me foolish things, and then he has just taught me another foolish thing. Yeah. He says, 410. What does it, what do you say? Can you make 150 out of 410? Look at all the mathematicians, they are starting to calculate things. Yeah, it was a major issue in my household yesterday. Can you make 150 out of 410? Oh, yeah. You know, you didn't win. 410. Is it 4 divided by 10? Is it 410? Is it 4 times 10? Is it 4 and 10? And then later on, he explained to us that whichever suits you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Reverend took the short way out. Do you understand? Yeah, so he took the short way out. He said 4 times 4 times 10, minus 10. Do you understand? But as a mathematician, I took the long route out. 4 divided by 10. <laughs> so 4 divided by 10, times 10, then times 4, times 10, minus 10. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. You see, that is what Christmas is about. 
where the nonsensical becomes most important. Because all year we have to deal with very serious matters and deal and address various issues and go over troops and walls and jump. Christmas is a time that foolishness is almost allowed. Have you ever opened any of those crackers? Have you seen one sensible question, one sensible joke, one everything? It is pure stupidity. And those crackers can only be used at Christmas time. Because any other time of the year becomes offensive. Yeah, so I'm encouraging you that if you are a child of God, celebrate this season. Amen. We don't celebrate it the way the world celebrates it, but we celebrate it nevertheless. Amen. Bring joy to your home. Bring joy to your life. And bring joy to the house of God. Somebody say amen. 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 Yeah, whatever makes you happy in this season, happy yourself. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Some people are thinking about chocolate. Some people are thinking about more complex dishes that cannot be named from the pulpit. You know, but whatever it is, it's your season to do it. Yeah, I do. I try and watch a long series that will take me into the new year. So I I have been given it. And uh, I normally have two or three people who choose what I will watch. And this year, Phoebe chose and said, Mommy, this is what you're watching. I said, how long is it? She said, seven seasons. And each season is about 10 episodes. So it means that I have to find 70 episodes time slot. Each episode is like half an hour. Calculate how many hours I'm going to waste in the next couple of weeks. And pray for me. Yeah, but that is the only season or time. I know some of you, you watch all these things all year round, so you can't appreciate it as a gift from God. <laughs> you, know, you know, yeah, like I always say, those who work very hard, enjoy sleep. Those who are always sleeping, don't appreciate sleep. Yeah, you know, so if you're always watching season, 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 I mean, you can't see what I'm talking about. What's so special about it? Uh, you know, but whatever your joy is, this is your season. Amen. Let it be a Christ-like one and let it be a godly one. Genesis 25. Amen. Ah, and my, my beautiful young lady is in the house. Letitia, you're welcome. Yeah, how many of you have missed Letitia? I didn't know she was here. I know she just creeped in quietly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that always brings joy to my heart is to know and realize that one of the things about this house is that once you taste of it, you know, you can never let go. <laughs> yeah, Letitia, true or false? Yeah, sometimes she sends me very depressing messages. You almost think that she's in some part of the world that nothing good is happening there. Yeah, yeah. And I said, don't worry. When you finish, you see, those of you who go and do masters, then you go and do masters, then you go and do masters, then you go and do, you know, God should deliver all of you. But we pray that one day you will finish all of that and you'll be back in the house. Amen. Yeah, it's a blessing. I know some of us can't see what we have, but I want to tell you that we have a good thing in this house. Amen. Yeah, Genesis chapter 25. We are going on. See Jacob, see me. Amen. Tell somebody by you, see Jacob, see me. You know, tell the person seriously. I didn't say you just repeat after me. I'm telling that turn to a person and tell the person that, see Jacob, see me. Yeah, when you see Jacob, you see me. Amen. Yeah, and, um, you know, as we've been going through it, I don't know, but uh, last week I got a couple of messages and all that, and, 
You know, one lady called me from some country, and she was like, Pastor Claire, you know some of these things, you have to say it over and over and over again. And it's one of the things I miss not being around, you know. And, and I was thinking about it, and I said that for the 21st century church, we have mastered something so great, and it's a blessing, and it is good. And it is good that we are in that season, and we are a part of it, and we came to Christ, or we were born when that had also arrived, you know. And that is being able to pull out the, the blessings and the promises of God that in, are in the word of God. It's a great thing. It's a, it's a marvelous thing. And so, especially for the charismatic and non-denominational and the feel-free uh, Christians and the spirit-filled Christians, we definitely know how to locate all the promises in the word of God. And in a year, in any one given year of 365 days, if you are not careful, you probably could be in a church where every Sunday you receive a, a, a miracle. Every Sunday you receive a promise. Every Sunday you get a breakthrough. Every Sunday God opens, you know, you catch, you lock, you receive. And it's good. But my problem and my challenge is that how are you going to walk out that blessing? How are you going to walk out that miracle? How, a, a prophetic word was given that, yes, you're going to become a millionaire or you're going to become, a, 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 you're going to get married and have, you know, five children, ten children. You know, you're going to start a business. You're going to be promoted. You're going to do this. You're going to establish this. You know, you're going to become a, 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 a president, a prime, and it's great. But how are you going to walk it out? How are you going to live it out? How are you going to get through it? Do you understand? And that brings us to the place where we have to become extremely practical in our application of the word of God. Otherwise, we become noisy Christians. Every time we are catching. Every time. And you see, when you go to a country, you know what is really lacking in that country. Because normally that's what's thrown from the pulpit. You see, when, when you are in England, you hear someone from the pulpit saying, I see you traveling. I see you getting visa. <laughs> I see your steps being ordered to America. We don't do that. It's not a need here. <laughs> yeah, you know. And then you go to another place also. You see, even here, you don't see, you, you understand? Even though we pray for health, you know, and all that drive out cancer things. But you know, because of the presence of NHS, when we don't say, you know, my headache has gone, my this has disappeared, my, do you understand? Because we can just call the GP and book an appointment and go. You, do you understand? So we throw the blessings based on the location that we are in. But what do I do? So if I'm in a country where definitely there is a, a lack of options. So um, uh, they are praying for me to, to, to get a visa or they are praying for me to, to, to meet, a, a, you know, get a, go for an interview and get a major job or whatever or start a business. Or they, how, uh, when I've left church with this one that I was called to the front and it was declared over me and spoken over my life and I caught it. I even felt, I felt it so deep I cried. And then I left. And then I got home with this thing that was given to me. What, what do I do with it? You have to 
go beyond just receiving blessing and catching and knowing how to practically work it out. So we should stop engaging, you know, Christians in very frivolous and ridiculous things. We look like jokers. So that's why somebody say, oh, Christianity is for third world nations. Because it is being, it, it, it almost appears that if you have a need, then you go to church. No, no, no. If you're a living being, then you go to church. Because as they promise that you're going to get that job, or you're going to, do you know that you go for the first interview, you won't get it? You go for the second interview. Meanwhile, they prophesied, declared, they showed you what you were wearing even when you went for the interview. The name of the person you went for the interview with. All of, it, all of it, we even saw it in the realm of the spirit. And then you go. And the name of the person was right. You saw it on his thing. Do you understand? And you were wearing the thing that they said you were. And then you went and you lost it. You didn't get the job. What do you do? Because that part was not added to your um, prophetic way. And so another year will come and pass and we'll still be catching. And that is why when we are treating topics like this, we shouldn't see it as well, a nice message. You should see it as this is what I need to apply. This is what I need to practice. This is what I'm going to go through. But this is how I'm going to come out of it. And this is how I'm going to behave whilst I'm going through it. Those are the ones who achieve. Those are the ones who become. God never said that nothing bad will happen to us. All he said is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Because that's why some people won't celebrate Christmas. Because what their expectations didn't come. Some things went wrong. They got some bad news. They were, you know, some things went down instead of going up. It's because of the way we are applying the word of God to our lives. Genesis 25. Let us be delivered of it. Let us become intelligent Christians whose understanding of the word of God goes beyond, do you understand, just receiving and catching, but goes beyond and reaches the place where we live it, we walk it, we experience it. Genesis 25. We have really, we have looked at a couple of things. Last week we were looking at the me first mentality, isn't it? Pull your neighbor down, bring somebody down, and try and go up. Hold on to something, allowing things to hold on to us. But we encourage that all of us grow up somehow, isn't it? And all of us will become what God has purposed for us to become. So I'm going to try and continue. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve, so I, we all should be in the Christmas Eve method mode. So we'll see if how much of CJ Cup we can do today because next Sunday and Monday you know it's the one that we take our handkerchief and we dance and we dance and we dance. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. But today so we talked about conflicts we talked about complications today I wanted us to talk about conditions choices and considerations. Conditions, choices and considerations. You see, when we look at these two brothers, 
you realize that sometimes we are inside Esau, sometimes we are inside Jacob, isn't it? Yeah. Sometimes you can see that, yeah, we can see the Esau around us. Sometimes we can see that we have become Esau ourselves. Verse 27, so the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. Verse 28, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Amen. You can see that there's love all around. Everybody is getting some love, isn't it? On the surface, it looks like that. Verse 29, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. He was fainting and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew. Amplify says lentils for I am weary. Um, some other ones also say something in potopoto. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. I am dying. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Somebody say, mercy, Lord. Mercy. You know, we've, we've read this passage. I'm sure most of us who've been Christians for a little while have seen it and read it somehow. But I thought that we can still look at it, refresh our memory on it, see what we can get out of it. Because when you see Jacob, you see yourself. Amen. When you look at it, you see that, okay, I'm also inside here. I can be, you know, I know we don't encourage or we don't, some people don't like selfies at all. But sometimes when you take different, different selfies from different angles, you see that you look very different. Even though you are standing at the same place, if the angle is not right, it's not good at all. If the lightning is not right, it's not good at all. So sometimes we need to look at it, look at it, take a different mirror. Have you stood behind, in front of a mirror that maybe was cracked or was, you know, concave, and then your body came out in a funny way, it's like, hey, no, it can't be me. <laughs> you know, but it is you when you are being reflected through a particular thing. And then from verse 28 till the end, you see what I'm talking about, conditions, choices, and considerations. You know, the verse 28... We're going to look at it later because, you know, on the surface, it looks like everybody got some love, isn't it? Esau got some love. Jacob got some love. But when we read the subsequent verses, you will have to see that Esau either did not take into consideration certain things or Jacob had taken into consideration certain things and both of them made certain choices. Amen. Esau made certain choices. And I think that once you are living, you will always find yourself in that place. What place is it, Pastor Gloria? It is that place when you think 
you are weary. Amen. When you think you are tired, when you think you are fainting, when you think, you know, you are fed up, when you think you have had enough. How many of us in this year can remember a couple of times when you were fed up? Okay. I'm going about to ask another question. Please don't lift up your hand. How many of us at some point were fed up with our marriage? Do not lift up your hands. <laughs> you were fed up with the work you are doing, your job. How many of us were fed up? That one you can lift. Your boss is not here. <laughs> you were fed up. You were fed up with your financial situation. You were, I mean, you were just worn out with a particular problem, a particular challenge, something that has just been going around in circles. How many of us have some sicknesses or illnesses or, you know, some chronic condition that sometimes you are fed up? You see, life in itself, every now and then, will bring you to that place of tiredness, of being worn out. It is part of life. And the reason why we will talk about this and treat it and go on about it is because you have been given a promise. Remember when the prophet came, he gave you a promise. You understand? But he didn't add to it that at some point you'll be weary and at some point you'll be tired. You know, because when we looked at the time the children were born, they gave us a description that Esau was a hunter. You understand? Jacob was just a mommy's boy. He loitered around the house. But the one who had been given a prom, a gift, a, a talent, do you understand? So he went out to do that which was his gift, hunting. Came back, he was fainting. He was tired. It is okay to be fainting and to be tired. You know, one of the things that I'm going to keep saying all day today is that, you know, fainting, tiredness, being worn out, yeah, I'm giving the... Is normally and almost always overrated and exaggerated. In fact, Esau says, I'm dying. That is what he said. He said, You're talking about birthright when I'm dying. How can you be dying? You just went to work and came back. Yeah. Yeah. When you are hungry and when you are tired, the way we can exaggerate it. Yeah, we can really, really be dramatic about it. Yeah, you'll find somebody who say that, I'm going to kill myself. Why? Somebody has left you, broken up with you, got broken. You are hurting, you are not dying. Yeah, true. You are sacked from your job. You have lost a job. Do you understand? You can feel a bit depressed. Yeah, but what has happened is that you have lost your job. You haven't lost your life. We exaggerate. It is overrated. You know, I am fed up. You are fed up of what? What, I, what exactly are you fed up of? What exactly? You know, I've corrected my wife twice and still she's still doing that. You've corrected her twice. You still have 60 more years with her. You see, when you put it into perspective, you won't start using certain, and because you see, the mind operates in a certain way. Once it conditions itself that I'm fed up, I'm tired, then it begins to react in certain ways. So before you get there, you have to begin to think how you perceive things and approach things. You have been blessed all year to have a job. You have a job that you can go to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and yet when you come home, you moan. I'm worn out. But if we flip it and you don't have a job, I'm depressed, can't get a job. Somebody say, preach, pastor, preach. Yes. 
So instead of being appreciative that you get to go to work and come back tired, do you understand? We rather look at it that we are fed up. Not realizing that, listen, there's a higher fed up when you don't get to go to work and you can't pay your bills. It is over, it's, it's exaggerated, it's overrated. Do you understand? Yeah. No, no, no. Because, listen, if, from when you are children, it starts. Your friend is not talking to you. Then, yeah, yeah. You can even, if those of you who have young children, you hear it a couple of times, I don't want to go to school again. Meanwhile, that same person that they have, there are no more friends with, in five or ten days' time, And we grow up with it. Yeah, we grow up with it. Some of us have gone through different things. And we don't belittle anything we go through. Because you can't belittle it. You have to remember it so that you know what not to do and all. But some of us, we've gone through different things. Whether it's, you know, from adults, from young people, from this, sexually harassed, this, that, loss of this, loss. They are all painful and, you know, hateful. But they are not death. They are not final. Your tightness is not final. Esau comes home and meets Jacob and he says, Please feed me. One of the things, a couple of things that you have to realize about that stage of weariness, tiredness, being fed up, about to give up, don't want to go on, is that that is your most vulnerable state. That is when you are most, when you are desperate. You, know, you see, there are some people who are in jobs now who hate it. But just a little while ago, you didn't have any job. And you were desperate for any, even when someone says, oh, what kind of job are you looking for? Anything, anything. Anything, Pastor, anything, anything, so long as I can get a job. I will settle for anything. And the problem with I will settle for anything and I just need something. I have to quench this hunger and I have to, you know, just, I am just fed up. Anything is that you can probably take anything. And the problem with that is that depending on who you go and tell and expose your vulnerability to, they will take advantage of you. You are taking advantage of when you are most vulnerable. And you are most vulnerable when you think that you don't have any options again. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the person is good or not or bad. Or, just because an opportunity has arisen, people are likely to take it. And a lot of the time, because we don't consider things in totality, we just look at the immediate, and you just want an immediate relief from your current challenge. Anything that will just help me out. So you would always find people, situations ready to meet that need. Right? Have you noticed something? Most people won't answer. But for most people, when they have a relationship breakdown, 90% of the time, the next relationship they have is with somebody who was available during their times of vulnerability, who saw them. To, if I'm preaching right, say amen. 
The person was there when they were brokenhearted. The person was there consoling them. It is well. It is well. You know, this. you'll get over it. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, and then the person is the one who will call you and say, are you feeling okay today? Are you feeling better do you, do you just want to go and maybe have a drink somewhere? Do you want to just put a, are you all right? You, uh, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen, you are, you are, you are more handsome uh, uh, um, than the other guy she has gone for. So don't worry. Yeah? It doesn't matter. You just come to my house and come and have a meal. The men are the ones who even fall into more trouble. <laughs> you will be, you are more like, because... You are so vulnerable, even that help is exaggerated. You almost feel that you could never have done it if this person had not come, had not given you a hand of friendship, had not stepped out to help. And then you see that they have a name for it, isn't it? That kind of relationship. Rebound something, 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 something. Yeah. Most of the time, that relationship, immediately after relationship, doesn't work. Because... The reasons for the relationship are wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the, the brothers who are really smart, a sister that they like who does not like them at all, looks down upon them, they gauge for when that season comes. Because in that particular season, she forgets your bow-leggedness, she forgets your, all of it doesn't matter right now. All she needs is consolation, consolation. If somebody will console her, she will be happy. Suddenly, your voice that she didn't like sounds nice. Suddenly, she's waiting on your text. She's waiting on your call because it's her only source of encouragement, her only source of, you know, joy. Then she will tell her girlfriend, I don't know, but now I think I like him a bit. And if the girlfriend is also very myopic in their outlook, they are going to say, ah, but I always told you that he was quite nice. <laughs> when you are vulnerable, you are more likely to be taken advantage of. You are also very more likely to be easily persuaded. Sell me your birthright this day. You are more likely to be persuaded to give up valuable things permanently. You know, we have some shops in England called cash converters. You can go and drop your valuable thing for a month or something. And then, you know, and they always put it in the poor neighborhoods. Because the business owners, one of their business models is that you are most likely not going to come back for it. So if you bring something that's valued at 1,000 pounds, then they give you 100 which you need, you desperately need 100. And they say one month, if you don't come back one month, then it's, it's this. So you give it. But if you're able to come back within a month, you take it back. But you see, for a lot of us, sometimes when we are at our most vulnerable and we are persuaded to let go of something valuable, it is permanent. It is permanent. Yeah, you find teenagers you know, who have chosen that they're going to live for God, you know, they're going to stay as virgins till they marry or whatever. Then at a point, you know, they're 60s, and then there's pressure from every side. Everybody has a boyfriend. Everybody has a girlfriend. Everybody's, you know, and, they, and they're, you know, the pressure, pressure, pressure. But once you sleep with a person, that valuable never comes back to you. 
preach, pastor. Say, preach, pastor. Preach. Everything I preach is good. So you don't, don't accept some and leave some. Yeah. There are people with integrity. Real integrity. Real integrity. Holding certain, you know, I always admire my very best friend's uh, uh, dad. Because he held a very high position in a certain place, in a certain country. And for all the decades till he retired, even when his wife used to have a go at him, never was there a day. And, you know, he, they used to make fun of him and people, that, ah, look at this post that you hold. Even Christmas time, even some of your junior directors and things, they get hampers and you never bring anything home. He's a fancy man. You never, never bring anything home. You won't collect anything. No gift, no envelope, no nothing. Meanwhile, he was running the whole corporation of like 2,000 staff or more. But you also have a larger majority who for maybe a stress, maybe they need to pay their child's school fees. They have tried and tried and they can't come up with it. Do you understand? And this uh, uh, contractor comes and says, give me this job and I will give you this envelope. Not, not realizing that this, this thing becomes something that tarnishes you forever. Forever, forever, forever you become, you see, what we, because I said consideration, because we don't look at the full picture from the beginning to the end. We only look at it at the point of our challenge, at the point of our need, of our point of our stress. Yeah, even as pastors, sometimes you can have a church member come to you and they're so desperate. Do you understand? In a situation, and if you are not careful, because of the agency of the situation, you can easily help them take an ungodly decision. Or an illegal move. Yeah. So you have pastors who have become visa contractors and all kinds of strange things. Oh, I'm preaching. Yeah. You see that somebody is inviting you to a church and they will explain to you that, oh, as for here, if you come, don't solve your problem. Yeah. Is it an, a pressing need? It is a pressing need. Is it the right route? It is not the right route. You throw away your, and then you see the integrity of the whole church is now in question. And it's, it's completely compromised. Because if I help you to do that bad thing, and then I come and stand here, and I dare open my mouth to talk about integrity, and why we must not, you to you will sit there and say, look at her talking. But it is that point. It is at that point. That point. It is just at that point. You have cultures where husband and wife maybe uh, they are not being able to have a child. One year, two year, three year. Then you have some strange relative step in. It could be the mother, the father, the uncle, or some uh, uh, senior relative who is unknown. Step in. See, see, some of these things sometimes at some point... You have to take practical decisions. Yeah, you have to do, take practical. So if she, if she can't give birth, you know, you know, uh, my friend uh, 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 Joanna, her daughter. Oh, 
I've already spoken to her mother. Your mother is happy for you to have her. So that at least we will also have, you know, grandchildren and, and people that we can live inheritance for. Do you understand? It's not, I'm not saying it. It's not like I'm not a Christian. I'm a Christian like you are. Look, I, the God you serve is the same God I serve. But some things you have to be practical in your application. So because of the desperate need of a child today, you ruin a marriage that probably will bless you in your old age. Just an instant need. Instant need. Yeah. Especially seasons like Christmas and things like that. Young teenagers, young adults, especially the young adults, it's a season where you must be extremely careful. Yeah, because they keep telling us on TV everywhere, it's the time of loneliness. You know, loneliness is enhanced. It's when you feel like you don't have nobody and you just feel like you're alone and there's nobody to share the techie with and there's nobody to share the there and there's nobody to, and there's nobody there and there's no, you know, and there's no, and there's no, and there's no. So you go and find somebody. So that Christmas, you too, you can enjoy Christmas. Immediate gratification with long-term consequences. You know, when, 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 when you look at the last verse, the last line there, he says that Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. We are hungry and now you are talking about inheritance. First of all, when is my father going to grow old? And then when is my father going to get me the inheritance? We are talking about now and then you are talking. You know, we used to have some, because of um, uh, um, YouTube and online and all those things. Now when you are giving some examples, it's very worrying. Hmm. So we'll just m make it very uh, practical and polluting the air. Yeah. So you have a rich father. A rich father. It doesn't matter how many children you are. You know that all of you, at least, maybe one million, one million, you will all get. Then you go and ask your father for maybe 5,000 pounds. And he says, I won't give you. But you know that he has millions, millions. And you know that one day you, you inherit some millions. Then you go and steal from your father the 5,000. For immediate gratification, because you needed it now. Then he cuts you off from your millions, for your 5,000. Yeah. Find young girls and young boys serving God, serving God, serving God. Then they become so pressurized, so pressurized. People are enjoying, you know, when they go to the nightclub, they are so happy. People get to, you know, they are hanging out. And they meet every time, and, you know, I, 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 I have to come to church, you know. And then, yeah, look, 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 look. They are, they're, look, look. Then there are people to post their pictures on Instagram, isn't it? Hip-hop, hooray, hey, oh. I don't know what songs they sing now. 410. <laughs> okay, we'll come into the uh, uh, 2017. Man is not hot. <laughs> you see, the reason why I can't use those examples because those songs, they don't make sense. I don't even know how you can dance to it. What, what dance goes with man's not hot? Yeah, yeah, Kieran, yeah? You just move your shoulder. 
So they'll put their, their, uh, their selfie. And then you'll see them, you know, man's not hot. <laughs> Remember Barry and Sandra? <laughs> she left him. <laughs> what song is that? But then you, you see the apparent joy. And then you remember that you have to come to church. Do you understand? You have to serve. You have to be careful. You know how you relate with people. You know? And then people are having fun. You know? And then you... And all of us, we have one or two foolish friends who will always be around to give us bad counsel. You see, listen. You only live once. You are too young to tie yourself down. You know, this is not the time to put your hands in between your legs. This is the time to take your hands from in between your legs. I know that I'm preaching. I'm not only preaching to us. There's somebody online who needs to hear this way. Yeah. Pressurized. Pressurized. Then they'll, 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 they'll draw you into one. It's nothing. Just come. You just dance, have fun, and then we go. There's nothing. Even if you don't want to drink, you don't have to drink. Okay? You don't have to. Listen, don't. It's nothing. Just come and dance, you know? And, and, and then how many of you know that all of us, there's a little bit of ungodliness inside all of us? Oh, from the pulpit to the back. Oh, oh, you don't know. Ooh, put the lights off now. Lock this door and assume that the lights will never come on again. You see how many people are really saved inside this house. Because all you realize is that just even entering the, just the entrance of the place. Yeah. The same goosebumps we get when Darlene Cech is singing is the same goosebumps you get when Michael Dapa is singing. Same goosebumps. Same goosebumps. Yeah. Then you find yourself that you, you've decided that you won't dance, but you are just sitting down and your leg is moving. Small, 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 small. Yeah. Before you know it, for you know it. Yeah. For you know it. Yeah. And you see, once you start moving, we're like, oh, oh, no, no, this one is nothing. Oh, it's just very light wine. It's not even anything. You taste it and see, you see, it's almost like water. It's almost like water. I don't know. It's just, it's just like, and, and you see, the world has mastered things that the church has not mastered. The world has even mastered that, listen, if you want more women to drink, let the things be colorful. So you see, the thing looks pink. It looks blue. It looks purple. Oh. Ah, and they'll put it in a, a, a bottle shaped like a woman. If you like, don't drink. But then you realize that just like Esau, when you have finished eating, then what? He just said he rose up and went. So you see that even the so-called satisfaction, you understand, and the so-called weariness. Because a lot of the time, even what we think will let us overcome and make us revive us, it doesn't revive us. It doesn't cause us to overcome. It doesn't, no. Actually, what brings revival is continuing in that thing that you think is making you weary and tired. I always say that when we say something is supernatural, it is just the natural that becomes super. It is just the normal. It is just the mundane. It is just the ordinary. That becomes extraordinary. Don't look for shortcuts. Don't look for easy way out. That is not why God made you. If God made, wanted to make us like that, he wouldn't say that we are more than conquerors. No. He wants us to go and conquer things. He wants us to go and overcome things. He wants us to go and rise above things. 
You know, some of you, when I'm praying for you, I have, if you were in my mind to imagine what I'm thinking about you, you would say, Pastor Glad, please, small. It's too big. All of you, I'm telling you. Yeah. When praise comes in my mind, I, I see his surgery. Yeah, with his name on it. That when I go, I'm giving special entrance through the back door to see my doctor. <laughs> oh, yes, he says. Stop. No, no, no. Think large. Think big. All we are saying is that all those big and th things come with a lot of tiredness and weariness. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Jump through them. Go through them. You want to see a good marriage? Go and ask them. They've jumped. They've gone through. They've been bored. They've quarreled. Most Christians, I believe, should not touch each other physically and harm each other. Physically, I pray. No husband, wife here is a wife beater, husband beater. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We don't. But we have misunderstandings. Do you understand? We, we have times we don't agree on things. We have times that we are so disappointed in the other's action. But you go through it. You live through it. You survive it. You come out of it. Then, then that's when we come. Then we say, oh, we are celebrating 20 years. We are celebrating 20. What we are saying is that we are celebrating 20 years of fainting and tiredness and weariness. And give it. Preach, pastor, preach. Pastor, preach, 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 preach. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Leticia a couple of years ago asked me that how do you get, you know, like get somebody that when you're choosing that you can choose, you know, somebody like Reverend. You know, how did you know? How did you know that? How, how did you know that Reverend was the right person? How are you able to tell from a young age that this young person is going to become? Yeah, yeah. That time I hadn't preached this message, but I'm preaching the message to you. You know how you get that kind? It's your readiness for suffering and tiredness and being fed up and giving up and then going through it and coming out of it and waiting for the next one to go through it. Unless your marriage is fake, and unless your marriage doesn't aspire to create big things. But if you are in a marriage that you want to establish good things, you know, you want the uh, great things to come out of the marriage, you must go through some tiredness, be fed up sometimes. Yeah, you see, because me, I'm very risk averse. This kind of taking risk, I, I don't like it. I'm too calculating. Everything, four plus four, eight, minus one, seven, two plus two, that's for the younger ones. It has to be calculated. And then I've married somebody who is a risk taker. Totally. You take the risk. <laughs> you will see the ditch. You say it's not a ditch. Let's just go. Go. Let's go. But you realize that every time you've taken the risk, you've gone higher. Every time you've taken the risk, sometimes did we fall? Yes. But then what happens is that as you take risk and you get some, you don't get, you see that you also, you know, the, ones who, the person who once was not a risk taker also becomes a risk taker. And sometimes become even a motivational risk. Shall we take this risk? <laughs> that is how you become stronger and better. Stop this. Yeah. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the word of God. And yet we behave like we don't have anything. We, we are so easily fragile, easily broken, easily given. What, then what is carrying us? Obviously, it means the songs we sing them. And the Bible, we just glance at it. 
We just memorize scripture so that we will look like Christians. But we are not practically applying it. Because if we believed it and we knew what we had, there would not be a Christian on this planet who is weak. I don't care what village they live in. Put it on verse 28. How many of us feel you have been blessed by something? You've heard something that you think you can use. So you remember that verse that we read? It said, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. That's the condition. You will see that the love Isaac had was because Rebecca's love. Rebecca loved Jacob. Whether Jacob could hunt, couldn't hunt, could cook, couldn't cook, was clever, wasn't clever. But Isaac loved Esau because he ate. Other than the one love we all come into Christ through, which is the agape love, every other kind of love has a condition. There's always a because. There is always a because. If somebody cares for you, there is always a because. There is always a because. God's love for us, unconditional. I was looking at this and then I, I, I came across a whole list of different kinds and categories of love. You know? And then you realize that the highest form, the purest form, standing by itself on one side, it's the love of God. And it's also the love of God that God instills in us to love others. Every time we look at agape love and then we say, oh, you know, we read Corinthians 13, we go through all the, you know, not boastful, not. But it is a love that can only be defined by its actions and not feelings or emotions or anything else. It is a love that is only defined by its actions and nothing else. We are talking about that short statement that said, Rebecca loved Jacob. It's the same one we see in John 3.16. And that's why we are celebrating Christmas. Isn't it? It says, for God so loved. It's a scripture that if you don't know, even unbelievers know that scripture. John, when, when we're having a... Um, what do we do when you are in Form 3 day that we wear white? Confirmation, isn't it? Everybody has to learn a scripture. Yours truly can just imagine the scripture I chose. John 3, 16. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his own. You look at First John 3, 16. You see that same love there. John 3, 16 shows us Christmas. And then First John 3, 16 shows us Easter. Do you have you found it? First John. He says that by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So that is the God kind of love. He says that God loved us so we also should love the brethren. So he shows us how to do it. Matthew 5. Let me finish with this thing then we'll go. Matthew chapter 5. Let's read from verse 44. Let me get it from my Bible. Now he's telling us that we also ought to lay down. I'm just going to show you the two conditions 
the one that has no condition, and then the one that has condition attached to it. And then I'm going to show you a few of the ones that do not have, that have a lot of because, because, because. Matthew 5, 44. It says that, but I say to you, love your enemy. Somebody say, help me, Lord. Bless those who curse you. <laughs> Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the just and under. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, only what do you do more than the others? Do not the tax collectors also do that? So God is saying that what? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. He says that lay down your life. Hey, this is how you show the love of God. Then I saw a scripture in Exodus 23. And then he gave us a practical application of loving your enemy. Tell somebody be practical in your service of God. Okay, Exodus 23. You know, sometimes we read the Bible, we see some of this say when we pass by it, or some of us don't even read Exodus. Exodus 23, verse 4, the Bible says, if you meet your enemy's donkey going astray, your enemy's donkey, donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. Verse 5, if you see the donkey of one who hates you, your haters, Lying under its burden, and you re refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. God, so you are saying that my haters, I must make sure that all is well with them. <laughs> you are saying that my enemies. I must make sure that the things that concern them should concern me. You see, this one, you can't do it with feeling. <laughs> you can't do it. When we read Matthew 25, it says that love your enemies. You can't love your enemy with feeling. This is a relationship that feeling must not come in. Emotion must not come in. You do it only out of obedience to God. You do it only out. A lot of Christians can apply all the other, but this particular one. Pastor, you don't know what she did. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know how hurt I am. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. This could have cost me my life. You don't know. You don't know. I'm forgiving them. But love, uh, you are pushing it. When Reverend was teaching us on the Holy Spirit, one of the things he taught us was that even in the house of God, if I don't talk to you, you don't talk to me. And we want the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. A spirit will come and minister to us. But it won't be the Holy Spirit. And what am I saying this morning? That when you want to love the way God loves, you are going to have to push yourself. All of us in this room, we have relatives who hate us. We have people around us who don't like us. Even anywhere you like. He said that you have to be very careful when all men speak well of you. So it means that all men cannot like you. So that is why God is telling us that, listen, all men are not going to like you. But you're going to love them nevertheless. Because you stand for me. Because you stand for me. Because you represent me. 
Then he showed us. I want to give you a few categories of the love and then we go. I saw some, some of us, I'm sure some of them we haven't even seen. We have experienced it, we have practiced it, but we didn't know that it also qualified as a category of love. The first one is what we call ludus, L-U-D-U-S. Baby love, baby love, playful love. <laughs> you know, that, that, that is when you have the early stages of a potential relationship. In fact, today, what do we call it? We say, oh, I'm falling in love. I think I'm falling in love with this person. That's a lupus. That's just yes. infant love. Infant love. Yeah. That is why people get surprised that when they fall in love and they have been married for a while, they can't find lupus. Because <laughs> lupus grows up. <laughs> lupus grows up. And when lupus grows up, it becomes what we call pragma. That's also adult love. Then you see people who have been married 40 years, 50 years, is their love has matured. When we say their love has matured, what are we saying? We are saying that they have learned how to forgive. They have learned how to compromise. They have learned how to be accepting. They have learned how to, you know, be tolerant towards. They have learned how to be patient. That is why they are cruising. You understand? Lupus is flying. <laughs> You call each other 100 times a day and all those kind of things. Ask the married people if they call themselves 100 times a day. Yeah. You know, when you hear the person, or maybe when you're in a room, you watch some of the young girls, especially when they get into a relationship. Even in this house, you watch. You know, you, know, you see some of the girls, they're very, hey, hey. There may be the, uh, lupus is appearing. You see that now when they come to church and, you know, oh, no, it's okay. It's baby love, baby, baby love, baby love, baby love. They have pragma, grown-up love. Then you have what we call philantia, P-H-I-L-A-N-T-I-A. That is love of self. Love of self. I told you the agape stands on its own. All the other, you see, because when you see lupus, you know that the reason is because the person wants to stay, get into a relationship. When you see pragma, it's because the person has become very dependent on you. Do you understand? And has got to hang in there. Yeah, when you see philanthropy, that is self-love. Love of self. And somebody might say, hmm, Pastor, but that's not good. Not necessarily. You can have very unhealthy philanthropy or healthy one. Unhealthy one is when you are so self-indulgent. In fact, almost narcissist. I mean, it's like you just care about yourself and it's all about me and you know, you're obsessed with yourself. Yeah, I was telling Kia, how many of you realize that Kia is becoming more handsome and more handsome? I know, I know. He's my son. I pray for the woman who will appear into my household. All her lupus and all her things will not. She will have barriers. To, yeah. But then I was telling him, I said, you must just make sure that you don't cross a certain barrier of becoming self-indulgent. Yeah. Sometimes you find you know, young women, every time they are looking at themselves, always how they look, every time. Yeah, you, yeah, you have those who, yeah, you have those also who can be, but, but when you become obsessed with yourself, you are, you understand, that is not 
good self-love. But when you have a certain level of loving yourself, the Bible tells us in Matthew, in Mark, in Matthew, in John, in Luke, when they asked Jesus, and they said, what's the first command, the most important, the greatest commandment? He said, love God, blah, blah. Then he said, the second greatest is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Which means that before I can love my neighbor, I have to have some love for myself. And that's healthy love. I read a quote somewhere. Let me give it to you because I think it made a lot of sense. It was written by Aristotle. He says, all friendly feelings for others are an extension of a man's feelings for himself. All friendly feelings for others is an extension of a man's feelings. So if I care for people, it's because I care for myself. Do you understand? If I'm nice and I love and I'm kind, it's because I do that. And it's, the opposite is also true. Sometimes you find somebody who's so despiseful, so horrible, just to even be around. They are not courteous, they are not polite, just spew out, oh, that's how they feel about themselves. It's an extension of what you have inside. Then we have filial that we all know, which is friendly love. I, 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 I said lupus was what? Falling love, isn't it? Falling love. And then pragma was what? Standing. Standing love. Because <laughs> now you're upright. You've understood all that. You're not falling. You're not, you're not, you're not, you don't, you don't fall into that category of, um, and philatia is what? Love of self. Then filio is friendly love. Friendly love. Friendly love. Friendly love. Love for love that can evolve into any of the other relationships is the love that, fortunately or unfortunately, is normally related to current circumstances, current aims, current opportunities. You know, somebody will say, Oh, this is my best friend. But the person is your best friend now because you're in the same school or you're in the same house or you're in the same church. If you are to relocate, you, you see that that friendship is not the same. Do you understand? Filio normally can lead into marriage, can lead into whatever. Do you understand? It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like like, like, when you like somebody, when you like somebody. So that one, I think that every, everybody, every human being has a level of filio. Even arm robbers, there are people they like, <laughs> and there are people they will help, and there are people that they will be friendly to. And you see it in the Bible, in Luke 11, verse 11, when Jesus was told that Lazarus, our friend, do you remember? Lazarus, our friend. Jesus described him as a friend. Then we also have a love called Stoggy, S-T-O-R-G-E, which is what we'll call family love. You know, in the book of uh, Romans, it describes it as what? Brotherly love in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. But it is the love we find in our home. Parents, children, you know, relatives. You have to belong to the clan to receive this love. It's for the family. Which means that if you are not in the clan, you are not part of that love. And a quick touch on the... How many have I given you? Five. I'll give you a sixth one. Eros, which is based on passion, on desire, on sex, lust. It is also not necessarily bad. 
It has been contaminated. It has been abused. But Eros love is the love between lovers. Is the love, you know, a lot of marriages need to revive Eros in their relationship. Every marriage must have a large dose of Eros love. Amen. Husbands and wives need to know how to flirt with each other. Husbands and wives, I'm, I'm preaching, Pastor. I am, I am totally preaching, even if they are not behaving like they can't hear what I'm saying. Husbands and wives must be sexually attracted to each other. I, I will preach it. I will preach it. I will preach it. Yes, 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 yes. There must be a strong desire in every marriage. Don't flirt with people that you are not married to. Your desires must be to the spouse that you chose. We, because it has been made to look like debt and it has been made to look so filthy. And in fact, they said on the internet, pornography is the most viewed sites on the internet. And so when we hear of errors, we are very overwhelmed. Errors, by God's standard, is between a husband and a wife. It's not between friends. It's not between acquaintances. Definitely not between people you don't know. Definitely not applicable. I'm I'm, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching. I am preaching. When you do that, people marry and they, say, they think that once they are married, Eros must leave. Because Eros was for my boyfriend. Eros was for my girlfriend. No, Eros was not yours. You stole it at that time. Now it has been given to you. That desire, God has also given it to us. That is why Paul said that marry so that you don't burn. It is, it is necessary. And you see, there are a lot of cultures where uh, um, um, uh, affection is not shown outwardly. And so it's always hidden. Because for some people, all their sexual experiences have been in hidden places. <laughs> With hidden people. Nameless and unknown. So suddenly, when they are married and in a marital bed, which is this, which actually this is where, you know, and it, it, also, it has always been, is there any young person? It's okay. It has always been a two minutes affair, a five minutes affair. It is, yeah, my mother is coming. My father is coming. <laughs> oh, preach, pastor, preach. So now you see this nice brother who is married and now his wife, who is his wife? He's treating like many marriages are struggling because Eros has been misused and abused. And then the person is having sex with their wife and they are thinking about Shwanda. Let me go deeper. I'm already there. I might as well enter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Christmas is coming. We'll be okay. They bring their practices. <laughs> okay, let me go here. 
they bring their practices from the Shwanda days into their marital bed. So this poor young Christian sister who didn't know that she had gone to marry flipping. <laughs> now she's in this marriage. And then Flipper tells her, that, hey, don't stand like that. You have to stand on your head. Stand and put your legs on. I know that in the church, sometimes we don't talk about some of these things. And people have dry marriages. They have dry marriages. And they have very active fornication. Very, very active sexual lives. Then when they marry, they are like cadavers, cadavers, dead bodies. Oh, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Yeah. Then they'll watch a uh, big mama pornography and then come into the room there with big mama's ideas, not realizing that big mama's ideas, they've been enhanced by computer and the poor wife is saying, leave my leg alone. That, <laughs> rise up onto your feet. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We've joked about it, but all of you know that I'm serious. Yes. 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 Have mercy on us, Lord, this afternoon. Help us, Lord, this afternoon. Where we have thrown out valuable things, precious things, important things, useful things, because we were hungry, because we were tired, because we were fed up, because we were worn out. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. That which you have made sacred that we have abused. Help us. Help us. Lord, I'm praying for every marriage in this room. I pray that you will restore our marriages, Lord. Refresh them. And Father, I pray for all those who may be going through challenges with all the wrong relationships. Give us the courage to end those relationships. Give us the boldness to correct our relationships. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. You just want to place your hand on your chest. God, touch us. Touch us, Lord. Touch us, Lord. That we will not exaggerate what we are going through. We thought we were tired, but actually we are just blessed. We are blessed to have a job to go to. We are blessed to be occupied. We are blessed to have something to do. We are blessed, Lord. Because you have given us a talent. You have given us a gift. 
We are not going to trade it for an immediate want, for an immediate pleasure. Let us be self-controlled, Lord. Let all our relationships be healthy, Lord. Father, this morning I want to even pray for those who don't love themselves. That they will have the freedom to care for themselves. They will have the freedom to consider themselves. The value that you have placed on them. That it is alright to love you. It is alright to think about you. It is alright to care about you also. Make room for yourself also. You are equally important. You are equally important. We thank you Lord this afternoon. We thank you Lord this afternoon. You are restoring us today. Thank you for wisdom today. To make the right choices. To make the right choices. Not to give away that which you have blessed us with. Even as we celebrate this season of Christmas, let us fight to keep our integrity. Let us fight to keep our holiness. Let us fight to keep our righteousness. Let us fight to live as Christians, to worship as Christians. We bless your name. We hallow your name. Let the church of God say amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. Amen.